section eight of the daredevil of the army experiences as a buzzer and dispatch rider by austin patrick kerkorin this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter four in which the wireless comes into its own on the british front part two and now we are nearing our second christmas a season that may be merry or very miserable holidays bringing their reminder of a lapse in old associations are apt to be depressing on the line last year we celebrated with a twenty-four hour truce this year there is to be no such official recognition of the meaning of the great festival truces are inclined to be trying on the morale particularly when accompanied by fraternization between the opposing forces on the other hand we must do something to mark the day and the onus of the occasion lies of course on the officers it has already become a custom for them to assume the duty of enlivening and otherwise cheering the men life here being in the raw divested of all semblance of luxury the efforts of the officers are particularly directed to the procuring of creature comforts for weeks before the campaign is on it takes the form of correspondence relatives and friends once forgotten recur pleasantly to mind particularly those possessed of generous souls casual little postscripts convey delicate little hints details are forwarded on request and after that the deluge canned tinned bottled boxed all the forms and varieties of food and drink that can be safely entrusted to the sea come pouring over to the brigade my billet is picked out as storehouse for the simple reason that i live there by myself and seem to have more room than the rest i say seem advisedly as a matter of fact it is very small and besides me and my batman it houses the old owner and his wife however we are willing to bark our shins against the boxes and risk breaking our necks by tripping over hampers down the stairs what's a leg more or less in such a cause fritz however is not disposed to be so friendly which leads me to perhaps the saddest of all the sad incidents i witnessed during my time at the front the old couple with whom i lived they were both over seventy had already suffered more than their due share in the war but with a persistence peculiar to the french peasant they refused to move farther behind the line they preferred to stay with their old home damaged as it was and their stock which had been reduced to one cow and a pig before the outbreak they had been happy and looked forward to an old age provided for by three sturdy sons these had gone and had died 
but the old couple did not complain they just looked stricken they were sad but very quiet and they tended very faithfully to all my wants one morning i went off to a neighbouring town where i stayed until late afternoon when i returned it was to find the old lady sitting in the ruins of her home groaning and rocking herself to and fro some neighbours were with her but she paid no attention to their sympathy seeing me however she sprang to her feet and before i could stop her she had thrown herself on the ground at my feet for god's sake go and kill them kill the cursed boshes her voice rose to a shrill scream and she wound her arms around my ankles look at what they've done to me oh won't you go and kill them she was quite beside herself with grief we did our best to calm her and by and by she quieted down then she told me what had happened she had gone out to do her marketing leaving the old man in charge when she came back it was to find him killed her stock blown to atoms and her house apparently split in two a couple of shells had pitched close to it so here she was at seventy without kin cattle or money her home however proved not to be absolutely beyond repair judged by the standards that hold along the front tarpaulin and ground sheets manipulated by the tommies made it weatherproof and we continued to live in it our store of food fortunately enough was not much damaged but this was not the only accident that threatened our christmas preparations another not quite so serious eventuated a little later according to custom also the officers had raked together some few pounds to be spent on the spot our brigade being averse to unnecessary labour the disposing of the money was put in the hands of the sergeant who in turn left the decision to the men their taste ran to pork so a pig was procured one of those long-legged lean but sleek and satisfying animals that are so much favoured in france for weeks before christmas this precious brute came in for more attention than he had ever received in his life it is surprising that he did not die of overfeeding probably his activity saved him for he was extremely active as we had reason to regret later then two days before the holiday rose all the important question who was going to kill old aristoph you see we had even christened him so much did we care for him as a rule there are few trades unrepresented in a platoon but ours did not boast of a pig-sticker it was a terrible moment when the men made this discovery 
yet none seemed willing to undertake the necessary task killing boches was one thing but killing pigs was quite another everyone seemed to shrink from the encounter and then heaven can be kind someone suggested finding a friend a connaught man now connected with the army service corps who had once practised the unpleasant trade in the west of ireland but would he come they put it up to him he agreed on one condition that he be allowed to share the excellent christmas dinner no one had thought of arranging festivities for the non-combatants of the army service corps needless to say the bargain was struck on the spot and arrangements made for the ceremony of execution perhaps you have seen pigs killed and know all the terrible details i hadn't neither had the other officers so we all gathered round while the sturdy man from mayo tied three of the animal's legs drew the rope through a ring which fixed in the wall close to the ground was intended to keep him steady then stretched on his back with the other leg kicking freely this so that he might pump out his own precious lifeblood he was ready for the thrust of the knife perhaps our presence had made the hangman's hand unsteady or perhaps he wasn't really a pig-sticker and had only pretended to be one for the sake of the meal anyway he had just inserted the deadly weapon in the animal's throat when up flew the three tied legs neatly so neatly that even a boxer could not do it better he sent a punch home on the executioner's jaw down went the mayo man sprawling on the earth and off ran the victim his blood streaming behind him straight through the village street he sped pursued by the whole brigade privates non-coms subalterns and colonels and then crowning coup on his part he headed straight for the enemy's line were we to resign him to fritz or would we risk our heads for the sake of the dinner fortunately we were saved such an alternative that indecisive knife thrust was doing its deadly work the track of red which we were following told that presently after covering some eight or nine hundred yards he fell limp from loss of blood and so the men had pork as the pièce de résistance but the connaught man came in for some sarcasm all the same but though christmas preparations might amuse us in our leisure they were not allowed to divert us from our labour experiments were still going forward but mine were now being conducted under the earth to procure the necessary isolation and tranquillity a sort of subterranean workshop had been dug it consisted of a gallery ten feet long by six high situated about eighteen feet beneath the surface 
you entered this through a sap that is a tunnel four feet in diameter through which you crawled on hands and knees this sap ran at right angles to the bottom of a communication trench connecting two support trenches probably the loneliest position that could be procured along the line even at the busiest times these communication trenches are quiet places disturbed only by a passing foot no place however could be too quiet for us it was for this reason that i decided to work on christmas eve then every man not absolutely essential to the manning of the front line would be released for the purpose of amusing himself then too the bosch so surprisingly innocuous even in his most dangerous moments might be counted on to devote himself to his carols so i notified my assistants a corporal named blackmore and a private named weston to meet me at midnight on december the twenty fourth at the mouth of our solitary sap it was a damp cold night but nobody was minding the weather by nine the festivities were in full swing the mess halls were merry with the clink of glasses from the huts resounded the roar of lusty throats i peeped in at one company concert and found the stage occupied by perhaps the most disreputable figure i have ever beheld at the front his boots were muddy his putties drooped disconsolately and his tunic looked as if it had been dragged through a bramble bush but the music that he wrung from the company piano would make even kitchener himself overlook greater faults than these before i left his place was taken by a perky little cockney who rendered just a little love a little kiss in a voice calculated to draw tears from a turnip he had just prepared himself as shown by the sentimental break in his voice to give adequate expression to the words i love you when from the back of the hall sung to the air of the song came a ribald roar gold i departed followed by the shouts of laughter from which even the officers in attendance could not refrain i never learned how the cockney took the interruption then having imbibed a tonic suitable to the state of the weather i went off to join my men it was exactly midnight as we bent to enter our sap blackmore and i went in first not a soul in sight he said as we descended thank god there won't be any one to disturb us and he was right we were to recall his remark later we too had just connected up our instruments when weston coming in from the mouth of the tunnel reported the boches as becoming unusually busy barely were the words out of his mouth 
when the ground quivered all round us there came a shower of mud and dirt from the top of the gallery we heard an explosion a loud rumble followed immediately by a deep thud and a backdraught of air that blew out our solitary candle what the devil began blackmore we lit up again went along the gallery into the sap to see what had happened and found our passage blocked by a solid wall of earth we looked at one another stupidly there was dead silence for a few moments it was weston who finally spoke first let's dig the stuff away he said before we we begin work i noticed there was a quiver in his voice without comment however we all set to dig i looked at my watch the time was twelve seventeen our only tools were two jackknives and my revolver dig 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 we went at it nervously earnestly absolutely in silence after a while i looked at my watch again expecting to see that an hour had passed it was exactly twelve twenty two half involuntarily i stop work and the others follow my example we all sit down on the earth so far we have avoided even meeting each other's eyes now we look at one another cautiously probingly trying not to betray our own knowledge of the position we are placed in quite obviously there are thirty-five feet of solid earth to be shovelled away before we can get out into that support trench quite probably that too is blocked by crumbled clay the shell may have blown the parapets down on both sides there is not the slightest chance that a man will pass anywhere near us to-night possibly none will pass even to-morrow let's shout says weston a perfectly futile suggestion but we welcome it it means something to do simultaneously and individually we scream at the tops of our voices but all the answer we get is the echo the louder our shouts the greater the reverberation in our ears but we keep it up until our throats are dry and hoarse i'll try my revolver i say to break the silence i fire one shot and the sound reflected from the walls of the gallery almost splits the drums of our ears but even that seems better than a flat acknowledgment of failure one after another i shoot all six rounds our ears are aching and our heads buzzing from the noise when i have finished we sit a while in silence as if expecting some answer but none comes of course that was a foregone conclusion well there is nothing for it but to dig once again we go at it tiny handfuls of earth falling at our feet reward our efforts 
strenuous efforts that caused the perspiration to pour from our faces so concentrated is my attention of the particular task in hand that i lose consciousness entirely of my comrades until suddenly my attention is attracted by a strange noise from behind i turn there is weston squatting on the ground singing in a silly soft voice to himself what the devil is he up to i asked blackmore testily loony comes the brief reply loony i repeat the word stupidly after him yes potty you know gone off his nut he makes the announcement calmly to be taken as a matter of course lord what a pretty pickle we're in suppose i should come to that it makes me shiver i look at blackmore white-faced steady-eyed silent he meets my eye smiles shrugs his shoulders i smile back fine chap it would take a lot to drive him insane once again we set about our work dig 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 what a rotten job it is the bending makes my back ache and all the blood rush to my head perhaps it occurs to me later this is accountable for the new noise i seem to hear suddenly all round me i could swear someone is tapping close by i tell myself it is quite impossible that the boches could be mining here we are too far behind our front line but still my ears keep echoing to that incessant insistent thud of a pick boring steadily through soft earth i look around the tunnel could that possibly be the gleam of a bosch helmet way back in the gallery automatically my hand reaches for the revolver on my hip empty what an ass i've been also what an ass i'm being if someone was mining near us with intent to blow up our sap surely blackmore could hear them as well as i and there he is digging away for dear life dig 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 to the accompaniment of western singing i wish his insanity would take another turn that inane noise is beginning to get on my nerves i open my mouth to shout at him and become suddenly conscious that it is dry and there is a queer thick feeling in my tongue why of course it was to be expected our fresh air is giving out however there is no chance now to think of it for weston has decided to take all our attention whether my sudden movement toward him had attracted him i can't say anyway he rises to his feet and shouting wildly begins heaving at us handfuls of the loose earth here stow that orders blackmore but the madman does not notice him 
presently however he desists of his own accord and begins instead a mad gallop up and down the gallery all the time emitting wild whoops he stops a moment to step deliberately on our delicate instruments which crumble with a soft crash beneath his heel we watch him helplessly for a while and then i decide to use authority stop that racket at once i order and let us get on with our work his answer is a rush at me damn you he screams it's all your bloody fault you brought us here you're burying us alive well the murder is out at last buried alive a pretty prospect but there is no time to dwell on it now with the violence of lunacy he starts to attack me we clinch for a second then there is nothing else for it i hit him on the head with the butt of my revolver and he drops unconscious to the ground barely has he fallen when the candle goes out leaving blackmore and me to our efforts in the dark we stand there baffled and helpless wondering what on earth to do next for god's sake sing or something i tell him irritably he begins to hum some old music-hall song everyone knows but he can't keep the quaver out of his voice the result is a sort of comical cackle lord you're worse than the silence he stops at once nothing offended i feel a fool also ashamed if i am to lose heart at least i needn't take it out on him the staunchest and sanest pal a man could find we go at us again dig 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 we keep it up for what seems hours until my back seems broken and my brain on fire quite suddenly i grow sick of the whole proceeding what's the use of pretending any longer we can't possibly get out by our own efforts we can't hope to get out by anyone else's we might just as well give in first as last save ourselves the aching tedium of this futile digging let's ease off i suggest to blackmore unwilling to confess that i'm giving in right o comes his cheery answer lord how that man can show me up we sit down it must have been six in the morning we have been at it already six hours weston who has recovered consciousness is sobbing like an ill-used child i sense rather than see that blackmore's head has gone down on his hands i wonder vaguely whether he is really lost to hope as i am and is merely maintaining his blessed british reserve at least thank heaven for his stoicism it's infectious an excellent antidote for weston's hysteria in silence save for the sobbing we sit there motionless 
while my eyes peer painfully through the gloom of this grave if we could only get some light the tiniest gleam to relieve the blackness i realize now why the preachers paint hell as exterior darkness slowly my gaze travels along the walls of the gallery as it nears the mouth of the sap i can scarcely repress my sudden start for there i see a rift tiny as the top of a teacup dim and grey as the early streaks of a winter dawn i look fixedly at it a moment it doesn't move it is really light i turn my head it is still there i might have known just a mirage the trick of a tired imagination i say nothing to blackmore whose head is still bowed why worry him he would just think that i was seeing things still there it is the size of a star if it would only stay fixed instead of travelling as my eye travels round the gallery it must be imagination no light could pierce the walls it must be fifteen minutes later that blackmore raising his head gasps grasps my arm and shouts at me hoarsely light look look where i ask sceptically let him fix its location for christ's sake are you blind it is his first sign of strain there it is at the mouth of the sap oh yes i answer stupidly of course so it is then at last the explanation dawns on me my eye accustomed to the gloom had preserved the image of this light on the retina everywhere i looked i saw the tiny star which was no more than a reflection still held by my optical nerve so might your eye reader suddenly struck by the glare of an electric arc keep its dazzling brilliance even after you had deflected your head only you of course would know what you were seeing i was inclined to doubt the evidence of my own senses presently we rise and grope along the gallery to investigate this new gleam of hope evidently when the earth crumbled in under the impact of the shell it had failed to fill the sap completely just a tiny crack remained open made perceptible by the light of day well we won't choke to death anyway says blackmore very casually no only for this crack we might be already dead once again we set to work but there is new energy in our efforts we keep it up for hours never tiring but ever turning to the little light on which we depend for our life we try to explain to weston but he only whimpers like a whipped child poor chap why couldn't he have held out 
i can see my watch again now as it points to ten a m the first shadow passes across the crack they've come shouts blackmore we rush to the hole and holler and holler but evidently the damp earth retains the sound nothing answers us yet but the echo more shadows they pass and repass repeatedly we get impatient how can any men be so blind good god can't they see we're buried blackmore is irritable now we shout again but with no better results shout and dig dig and shout this is our regular routine with every moment our nerves are getting rawer and then it is eleven a sound reaches our ears someone digging lord they've opened their eyes at last our own work takes on now a furious quality of energy we dig as we never dug before even weston sensing hope has ceased to sob at last and has crept cautiously closer to the sap conversation between us has stopped absolutely lest by any chance we should miss a welcome sound twelve o'clock and we're still here suppose we were mistaken after all suppose they are not digging toward us suppose they are merely clearing the trench quite forgetting that our sap was somewhere near but they must miss us they must blackmore is nervous now i told the fellows i was coming here last night we shout again no answer but the echo well they're still digging and we are at least sure of that twelve thirty we fancy we hear a voice close by we stop to listen but only the sound of the entrenching tool reaches us twelve forty it's coming closer yes they're coming to us all right that thud is too near for the trench we tell weston but he only looks stupid and shakes his head one o'clock a shaft of light shoots into the gallery a hand comes through then a head then a man's whole body i see someone bearing a lantern i hear a voice asking a question i try to answer but my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth i throw out an arm to catch something it is taken the next thing i know i am lying in the casualty clearing station with a doctor bending over my head better now yes thanks he tells me the story no one had missed us all evening i hadn't said i was going to work no one had missed us in the morning until the chief royal engineer coming to breakfast noticed my vacant place where is he he asks being a friend of mine working in his bally sap i suppose said someone 
i must drop round and tell him to hurry over before all the good things are gone it was a christmas breakfast an unusually good spread it was about ten when in pursuance of his thoughtful project he dropped round to the trench and found his way blocked by a mound of earth quite obviously a boche shell had pitched neatly immediately he set the men to work with a will were we alive that was the burning question which added zest to their very earnest efforts yet even with their regular entrenching tools it took them over three hours to reach us what a chance we had had with our jackknives and revolver i inquire for blackmore oh he's all right not a nerve seemingly in the man's whole body weston well it seems he had been buried once before the doctor shakes his head over the probable effects of the second shock no wonder he had gone potty right away they send me back to my billet where i am put to bed nearby is a brother officer shaving i ask him for his mirror to gratify a sudden whim he gives it to me and i can scarcely believe what i see can this man be i this man with the haggard features and the hair turned so white on both sides of his head well why not don't i feel sufficiently old and withered i lie back limp and lifeless like an old man for two days i stay there then my inertia leaves me my brain begins to cry out for new food for thought they send me back of the line to give me a chance to recuperate but my nerves won't leave me alone they wake me in the night in the grip of horrid nightmares they shake me as if with ague at the sound of sudden noise by a desperate effort i concentrate on such work as i have to do it relieves me somewhat and i pluck up heart again but nature has still a heavy toll to take for the violence done her that christmas night End of section eight.